when we were on set, I was ready for like the fire gel, you know, like, okay, so we're going to light me on fire. We're going to get the shot. It's going to be good. Whatever. It is what it is. And then I get there. I'm ready. I say, okay, so we doing the fire one now? They go, yeah, yeah, we're setting up for the fire. It's like, okay, so we're going to gel me up for the fire? And uh, fucking Mao and Elgot come around the corner. They got like alcohol and Axe body spray. They're like, this is how we're doing it. And so I think they wanted me to freak the fuck out. But I think I paused for like one second. I was like, all right, let's do this quick. <laughs> let's just get it done. Hello and welcome to Films and Fika. I have been here for the last four episodes. I am Larry, and you know him. You come here every fucking time for him. It is my man Mao. Hello. Say hello. hi to Mao. Hello. How are y'all? Right. I'm sure they're fine. You're here. I'm sure they're perfect. Now, I have been for the past four episodes um, filling in for Algot, who decided he fucking decided to get a job what a dick and work up and work up in the mountains mm -hmm. in Sweden of all places it's like he lives there <laughs> yeah no Great. but um I I like having you on Larry just because you're nicer to me than Algot. Algot just shits on me sometimes. <laughs> and it's like... You say I'm nicer to you. And every time we talk about Algot, you're like, fuck him. We don't fuck like him. <laughs> uh, no, in all, in all honesty, people know that me and Algot have a very good relationship. And um, I mean, the reason why we have a podcast that is close to 50 episodes now is uh, because of that. And uh, we miss him. Larry's here to... <laughs> fill that void in our hearts uh i was gonna say bearded void but for you guys who's watching the video y'all know that larry doesn't have a beard anymore so he fucked up my joke anyways um wait hold up hold larry, up hold up tell us, um go for it <laughs> <laughs> now he can feel your bearded um holes now i'm uh, commissioner gordon that sounds very weird and sexual Bearded holes. Damn, I think, I think we have to make things sexual today. That that that's gonna that's gonna work with the movie. I think yeah. everything needs to have a little bit of sexuality to it. Yeah. For uh, sure. So just so you know, I still am bearded. I'm <laughs> winking to the people that can't listen. But in all actuality, I'm not bearded. I shave that shit every other day. That's, mm. that's the truth. <laughs> so guys. As y'all know from the title, we're talking about Crash, but not the 2004 political drama. We're talking about David Cronenberg's Crash, which is a very different film. <laughs> very different. I don't want to ruin expectations as of right now, but I will. I definitely enjoyed the 2004 one way more. I don't think this one was for me at all. <laughs> it's a... Uh... It's a movie, all right. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, Francis Ford Coppola hated it, too. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I hated it. I just really didn't care for it. Mm, 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 mm. But before we get into it, Larry, um, let's, you know, um, have a little chat before the movie, Fika. So 
I just want to say that back in the day, back in the mm. day, um, I have actually spoken to, physically touched this man on the other end of the screen, mm. and uh, I physically touched the other guy that's not here. We worked on some films together. Um, the first thing we ever worked on was, I don't even know what you guys ended up calling it, but I know the copy I have is called Pineapple Lover. I think it's so And how that, that yes. worked out. Yeah. What was that for? That was, I think that was an editing project. We had to do, a, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was an editing project. Uh, the only premise given to us by our teacher was that the main character had to wake up on screen, uh, which is funny to me now because every student film starts with that. So I think he was trying to poke <laughs> fun, like he was trying to poke fun at it before it was funny to us because we hadn't really done much at that point. But uh, yeah, every student film starts with that. And I think that's what he wanted. <laughs> well, here's, here's the, the crazy, <laughs> crazy cool thing about that. Um, so you had a script. You were going to do this, this film. This was like your thesis film. Yeah. Uh, you went for a certain... Uh, I don't want to just say like Latino because I don't know if that's the right word. What did you go for? <laughs> Uh, I went for a Spanish-speaking cast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Spanish-speaking cast. So here's the thing. I did a scene of that, um, what's it called? Let's get the title out there so people can look this up. I don't know how they're going to find it, but this is so they can look it up. My thesis film is, like, hidden. It's not It's not out, out. Uh, but <laughs> it's called um, Quien Eres. So it translates to who who you are. Right the fuck on. So I got a little email from a teacher saying, hey, we need some actors for this class. Can you come in? So I come into this class mm -hmm. and uh, I end up doing this little scene with this uh, other actor named Joe. Great guy. Mm -hmm. And we did a little scene from his thesis film. Mm -hmm. um, went well, I think. Mm -hmm. And that then really a few months later, I get a text last minute. Hey, uh, we, it's a rainy day. Our, uh, we had this actor lined up and he couldn't make it. Uh, Larry, are you free? And I was like, well, I'm at a job interview right now, but like I can head over right after. What's, uh, can you send me the script? So they sent me the script. It's like, it was only two, three pages long. Mm. And there's like six characters. So I'm looking at, I'm like, okay, so which one am I? And they go, oh, you're all of them. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> so... Yes, I learned the entire script uh, on the way from the audition to mm -hmm. the to the location. I was on the bus just doing it, making sure I wasn't missing any stops. And we got there, and I don't think I looked at that script after I after we got there. So that I did all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we filmed yeah. that. We played multiple. I played multiple characters. I said we. Uh, I played multiple characters in that. Mm -hmm. And then the very next thing is, that I can think of that we did together was, what did the title we went with? Awkward Times. Yeah. And at that time, you and Al got sent me scripts. Mm -hmm. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe <laughs> I might have an ego now. Um, Al got... And you both said that you wrote your scripts with me in mind. Correct. Yeah. So basically, after right we, the fuck on. Like after we graduated, we basically we were on a time crunch, 
to realistically do as many projects as we could before we had to leave Canada. And we both wanted to make shorts again. Basically, we wanted to take everything that we had learned working on our own theses and then other thesis films um, and try and put that to work. So we like put a lot more time into pre-production and we try and like make everything so that we could be mindful of what we were shooting instead of shooting just coverage. We wanted to make these these films. We wanted to make them. Um, well, it's actually a two. It's a two sided answer. On the one hand, Algot wanted to do very like he wanted to do as little as possible in terms of budget. He wanted to do a micro budget short hmm. where it was like we use everything that we have. We don't buy anything. We don't buy uh, props. We don't buy location uh, dressings. We don't uh, pay our talent. <laughs> like basically yeah, no. the idea uh, was to have it be micro budget friend thing where we just create something. And then I wanted to do something where we did spend a little bit more on the budget, but also that felt more thought through than the rest of the approaches that we had worked on. Not that they weren't thought through, but you know, you're a student and you shoot for coverage because that's what they teach you to do. Right. So it was, it was like those two experiments that we wanted to do. Uh, awkward times being the micro budget one. Uh, and the fun of like, I think the fun part about that is that, it went from being a micro budget thing to being a 24 hour thing where it was like, we're already here. We're already about halfway done with this film. Yeah. Why don't we just shoot all of it right now? Um, and we were all okay with that. And we were all like, yeah, okay, fuck it. Let's do it. Um, yeah. I think I don't, I don't think I, maybe you guys were there for 24 hours. I think we shot for about maybe 16 of those. Mm. Um, I remember getting the script. Now, this is at the point, like, I already was just in film school. I hadn't even, maybe I did have an agent at that point. I don't even remember. Uh, mm -hmm. But I was just like, man, I, I don't want to do comedies. I'm so over this. I haven't even started my career or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, and then Elgot's like, yo, I wrote this with you in mind. And I read it and I was like, oh, I laughed out loud. Yeah. Okay. I will. I will definitely want to do this. Plus, it was just a sweet little story. Like, we talked last week how we like rom-coms. There was like, little mixes of that in it and I was like I always I would love to do like a rom-com type deal so this worked so I played that character kind of just like me I didn't really mm -hmm. make so much a character as that was Larry uh just changed his name to Brad um but <laughs> yeah I remember being on set and I don't know if anybody's ever going to see that film but we shot that thing Three different ways. So you, you could easily get a PG version, which is like the script was. PG-13, if with some editing. And definitely you can get an R in there. Because when mm -hmm. we got to go and improv, we, we did some shit. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the fire prank? Yeah. Okay. So basically, when we did Pineapple Lover, I was six different characters. In this script... There was more than six Brads, so I had to be a bunch of different Brads. And one of them gets lit on fire. So basically, long story short, Brad meets this girl, and he's just smitten, like just starstruck mm -hmm. with her. And he, he wants there to be something. 
uh, but he he fucks up all his interactions. However, he's got this time travel watch, so he just goes back and redoes things. Uh, so one of the <laughs> one of the guys fucks up, and he just pops up on fire. And you have no idea how he shows up on fire, but he's just on fire. Great. So when we were on set. I was ready for like the fire gel, you know, like, okay, so we're going to light me on fire. We're going to get the shot. It's going to be good. Whatever. It is what it is. And then I get there. I'm ready. I say, okay, so we doing the fire one now? They go, yeah, yeah, we're setting up for the fire. It's like, okay, so we're going to gel me up for the fire. And uh, fucking Mao and Elgot come around the corner. They got like alcohol and axe body spray. They're like, this is how we're doing it. And so I think they wanted me to freak the fuck out, but I think I paused for like one second. I was like, all right, let's do this quick. <laughs> let's just get it done. <laughs> yeah. No, we were, like I said, everything about awkward times is like, it's a very fun moment in my memory just because everything was so friendly. Uh, like we both worked on sets enough to know that the energy's not yeah. always the same and it's not always let's call it uh free flowing or like nice to be around sometimes sets are very mm -hmm. dense um when you can feel the friction between certain crew members and you can feel the friction between the cast and what i really like about our times it was that we were all friends right we wrote these parts oh, yeah. the one in awkward times and the one in domus for you because we wanted to work with someone that we liked Right. We wanted to work with someone that we knew we enjoy working with. We knew would bring his best to it. Um, and it was just like, a, OK, Larry's going to, you know, provide that. And we're excited to have him on. And then everyone in the crew, were, they were all our friends. They were our yeah. dear close friends. And it was just so much fun. Still are. Um, but yeah, when the fire came around, Aga just wanted to fuck with you. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. But realistically, <laughs> we knew that it had to be CGI because we were in someone else's apartment. Uh, and we can't <laughs> logistically set fire to you. Um, but it was fun. It was really nice. I I, I think we... I don't know if Alga's ever going to put it out. Uh, but I, I know I, that I hope he does. If, a lot of fun. I'll tell you, Elgot, if you're listening, the cut I have is one of my favorite things that I've done. Uh, so I'd really, really like that out there. And if not, if you still have all the footage, send it to me. Oh, my God. I'll make three fucking cuts of it. <laughs> <laughs> it just it works really well. And he worked his ass off on the VFX for the cut that you have. I, yeah. Like, because time travel rules are what the creator wants them to be. And I wanted it to be like every time that Brad goes back, he he goes back as like a different variant of himself. Um, so then all there's a scene where all of these are like together and they're interacting with each other because he's gone back so many times trying to get this girl, um, which I thought was great. I, I really liked that. Uh, I think I got when he, when he deals with time travel, uh, he always brings something fun to it because he really likes the, the trope. So Yeah. I think it was a lot of fun. Elgot, if you are actually listening to this episode, I want you to know, before I went to film school, I wanted to make a time travel trilogy, but like an anthology. So they would just cover different theories of time travel with the same actors and same filmmakers. 
So, uh, yo, get at me if you're listening to this. That sounds uh, awesome. Other than that, <laughs> other than that, you sent me a script that was not a comedy, that was totally different no. than anything I'd ever had an opportunity to do, and I was fucking stoked to do it. I had that shit down. I was ready to go, and then what happened? It, it just it went into pre-production hell, basically. We had locations lined up. We had you guys, uh, like the talent, lined up. Uh, we had started to look into how we're going to dress the set, how we're going to dress you guys, how we're going to do the makeup, because it's a pretty makeup-heavy piece at, towards the end there. Um, and then, you know, everything started falling apart, mainly the location, because uh, we both wanted these shorts to be as unexpensive as possible inexpensive as possible um but i wanted a very specific location uh type of location so when you have that constraint per se uh you have very limited options and we lucked we lucked it like a month before we were supposed to shoot and we were pretty lucky because it was exactly what i wanted it to be and it was not mm -hmm. gonna cost us anything because one of our friends lived there uh yeah. and Al got lived there too however uh the week that we were gonna the week that we were gonna shoot yeah literally uh, the week yeah literally the week that we were gonna shoot the landlady told amy and Al got that she was planning on doing renovations um but that it wouldn't mess up with the upper part of the house and that they would be that we would be able to use it anyways uh and then we were like okay uh, you can't wait until we're done. And she said, no, but don't worry about it. I'm just working on the downstairs area. Uh, flash forward a couple of days. We're like a couple of days out from shooting. And the landlady yeah, calls I think, again. I think we were like two. Yeah. It was really close. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really close. And the landlady calls Amy again. And she's like, hey, so uh, we were doing a couple of things on the staircase and basically the contractor fucked up and now there's like a huge crack going up the wall of the stairs uh and it affected the um structure of part of Algot's room so now it became a bit of a hazard uh to have us there because there was like so much construction dust and now it was like structurally unstable i guess like not necessarily unstable to the point where it might fall down with us there but enough for us to know that it might have been a problem if we were in there um with all the gear and the crew and stuff and i've always been the type of person who thinks that things happen when they need to happen and if they don't happen then they didn't need to happen and um instead of freaking out and stressing about it and having me and Amy go insane trying to find a, a secondary location, uh, mm -hmm. which we did, like, even though we did. <laughs> At some point, <laughs> I was just like, we have about three weeks left together, and we were planning to do this project and another one. So we did one, and I'd rather, like, spend the next, weeks that i have with you guys together instead of trying to figure this out and you know yeah it was sad i enjoyed that script a lot even though some I'm of my gonna, teachers called it 
whack, but... Really? Well, I'm going to discuss the script, and then I'm going to ask you your inspirations for it. Like, what, what, what motivated you? Because I can mm. see a clear... Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I see some psycho elements in there. Mm. Uh, for anybody who... <laughs> Doesn't know movies. Alfred Hitchcock made Psycho. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> if anybody doesn't know who Alfred Hitchcock is, um, go watch his movies and then come back to this podcast. Yes. So anyway, long story short, um, my character would have been uh, Humbert. Humbert mm-hmm. was his name, and uh, he's married, got a nice wife, nice family thing going on. They don't have kids or anything yet, uh, but they're happy. Everything's wonderful and he wakes up in the night and he hears these noises but she doesn't hear them she doesn't react to them things just happen he ends up ignoring them lives his life you know everything's going well mm-hmm. later on in this film we find out what the noises are and we also find out that his wife natasha who he's got this really nice relationship with it's not that she's not real she is real mm-hmm. she's just not alive she's dead Correct. He had kept her body after he did some things to her. And the noises he's hearing is his next victim up in the attic. Yep. And so he kind of confronts the one up in the attic because, uh, you know, you're supposed to be a fucking guest in this house. You know, keep it down. What are you, what are you making <laughs> these noises for? I'm here living with my wife. Yeah. You know, you're part of this family now. I'm trying to get you in here. Why are you being such a cunt? You know, mm-hmm. shit like that. Um, then we also find out that he's messed up in more ways than that because anytime he talks to his wife, not only is it in his head, he kind of treats it like a, he's a ventriloquist. So Mm -hmm. he's talking for her. Now here's the thing. I worked on my ventriloquism. I tried to get it down as best as possible. The second this thing fell through, I was, I was Mm. honestly really, really bummed because I was really looking forward to this. I would have loved to have seen this. I would have. Love to have made it. Just spend the time going here. Because it would have been, I'm sure it would have been fun as fuck on set. And then to see the mm-hmm. actual film, you'd be like, were they having fun? <laughs> you know? Like, it's not really a yeah. fun script per se. But I was, I was in. And I think we discussed some other things. Like, so earlier on, he would look more normal or whatever. And then as it progressed, he would look more disheveled and shitty and messy and all that stuff. And honestly, I've gone some characters work and spoken with directors where we just totally disagree on it and I just go with it. Okay, mm. well, it's your vision, so I'll go. But this is one of the rare uh, times for me where we were seeing eye to eye on everything. We were totally on board. So I think if we ever get a chance to make this, I think we're going to fucking slay it. Yeah, I I agree. I think it was really... it was a. The script came about in so many different ways, and I really enjoyed the process of putting it together. Um, I, when it comes to inspirations and stuff, uh, if we're talking about specifically that last bit uh, with the virtual sure, and stuff, all of it, man. Uh, that's definitely psycho. That that was a big psycho moment for me. Um, you know, without necessarily spoiling a very old movie, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for sure. I I think it's not necessarily that I took it and saw it from Psycho and I was like, I want to use this. But eventually after I wrote it, I was like, oh, no, this is definitely very much reminiscent of Psycho. 
Um, yeah. No, I didn't want to say that you could rip it off Psycho. I'm just saying like it, it, there was some type of inspiration in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like when when you start creating and even like every time that you create, you pull inspiration from the stuff that you've seen before and that you've seen um, and that you gravitated towards. Um, and I've always liked serial killer, uh, very weird, creepy, um, even a little bit fetishistic um stories and you know there's i i like putting work into my work uh for Hell example yeah. humbert the, the character humbert is called humbert because of the character in lolita um which is a book uh that stanley kubrick also adapted i haven't seen the adaptation but i read the book in high school there's um there's two adaptations as far as i know there was a mm -hmm. remake in 1997 uh, I'm not sure if it's like The Shining where Kubrick didn't keep it like the book, but I know, I, as far as I know, the 1997 one is closer to the book. Correct. Uh, and it's got, uh, oh my God, what kind of, Jeremy Irons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like Kubrick really puts a different twist on adapting a work because he always makes it his own. Uh, the Shining is probably the best example, but from what I understand, he always deviated from the source material of the novels that he mm -hmm. adapted. Um, but when he came to that, so Humbert's character's name is because of the main character in Lolita and Natasha is the first name of a girl who was kidnapped and she was held hostage and she developed a kind of like Stockholm syndrome, uh, for, for her captor. Um, so that's why her name is Natasha. Um, and then the first kind of few sequences in the in the short where we see all of this like beautiful 1950s kind of like Americana that was heavily uh not inspired but to me it, all of that sequence came from listening to 50s and 60s music um where I just feel it has a very powerful image inducing rhythm and sound so that's where those came in and then you know at first, the second girl, the one that's up in the attic, she was supposed to be a child, like an actual child, because oh. he wants to expand the family, right? But yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> because uh, child actors in Canada are so heavily like, um, what what what's the word I'm looking for here? They're like they're regulated. molested. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, no, that like <laughs> for you to hire a child actor, you have to go through a bunch of steps. Um, mm -hmm. Even if it's like non-actra, there's still a bunch of steps, and uh, yeah. you still have to deal with the parents. And in this case, I had to convince the parents of someone that I didn't know uh, that as a 21, 22 year old, I wanted to make this movie where I'm putting their child into this. You know, like. There was nothing working for me in this argument. It's like, it's probably yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. very little paid. Uh, it's not necessarily family friendly. Hold up. You were going to pay them? Well, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, if it was a child, I would have yeah. probably had to pay them. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it just, it didn't work out for it to be a child. So it had to be another girl. Uh, and we were going to hire, a f well, not hire, we were going to contact a friend of ours who looks relatively young. So it could have been like, well, I guess she's like 15. Um, so it still can make a little bit of sense. Um, right. 
And then there's a scene where Humbert and Natasha are dancing along to music that I took that that I took straight out of uh, the Quiet Place because I think that's like my favorite scene out of that film where it's just like such a tender and specific moment between um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt's characters. So yeah, it's just yeah. I I don't know where the fucked upness came from it. Uh, it was also very weird in tone because she, Natasha is very clumsy because she's a corpse, um, but we don't know that she's a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a weird kind of like comedic element to certain interactions between her and Humbert, where it's like she's clumsy and she's distracted, and it's it's not that she's all that. At the end of the the movie, the point is that you realize that oh, you know, it's because she's dead. Um, that's yeah. why she couldn't. That's why she fell in the shower and stuff like that. Um, and that's why there was the the little fire because he just put her there and he started up the stove or the oven top. Yeah. So like she wasn't actually moving. Yeah. 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 No, but there, I had a couple of the teachers at school shat all over that script. No shit. Yeah, really? Why sure. was that? Uh, they felt it was whack. Uh, they felt it was too. They. That's how they. Uh, this is whack. Uh, they said the words whack. They're. They think they, there's a specific word in English that I can't think of where it's like when you want to say quirky, but you mean it in a negative way. Oh, so quirky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. No, I mean, like, it was just they thought it was too uh, cartoony that he really? did the voice. Uh, he uh, they thought that it was such a weird tone dissidence at the end where it's like you should have told them it was larry doing it and they maybe would have been like oh okay i've seen that that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) i feel like also because my thesis film was a coming of age uh that maybe they thought that i wouldn't have the the ability to properly convey tone and they might have been right i honestly i think the hardest thing about that short would have been to nail the tone um but yeah, that's uh, I I agree. I think if we ever get to make it after this fucking panini uh, pandemic, uh, <laughs> it would be a lot of fun. The way I was seeing it would be like we'd have to play with light mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Uh, so like at nighttime when he's sleeping, when he's hearing these things, I was thinking like you know really dark with like some lights maybe shining through. Maybe like a red, slight, like dark green. And then the second it goes today, like maybe not even cut. Mm-hmm. You just do like a solid that just goes bright. And I, I think that would change the tone immediately. I think you could easily change the tone within the scenes and then edit around it. And yeah. make it Well, at least that's the way I envisioned it in my head. And then obviously, as you, as the director and the creator, I don't ever say what I feel I see mm. when I read it. I just go... He's going to do what he wants to do, and it's his vision. Mm-hmm. Why would I bring up anything? But I just, I think, tonally-wise, I think you could have nailed that, <laughs> especially since you fucking wrote it from the ground up, I think. Yeah. Uh, for, like, in terms of that, I was already talking with Alcott and the set designer. I wanted, I wanted the fantasy aspect of it to be very much like 1950s Americana. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted Natasha to be wearing like a classic uh, 50s, a housewife dress i wanted everything to be in pastel colors and then once we walk out of that fantasy pastel colors have a very specific quality to them that the moment that they you know become uh 
affected by time and use. They become very dingy. Um, so the idea was for us to shoot everything first with the pastels and then mm-hmm. wo- like wear it down to where it looks dingy and unkempt. Um, yeah, that it was. That was gonna be a very fun project. <laughs> nah, that would have been great, man. I remember that we were talking like he was gonna. I don't. Maybe I'm gonna get this backwards. Maybe he started without glasses and then. As he deteriorated, maybe his eyes got shittier, so he put the glasses on, or it was going to be the other way, other way around. I don't remember. I just remember the look was going to change. Mm-hmm. He was going to get real. She's going to be happy, maybe looking like this, but with better hair. Uh, and then as it keeps going, he's disheveled, little fed up. Yeah, disheveled. Yeah, kind of like a. I I for that last scene, I see him in a wife beater, which is kind of cliche, but I mean it's a cliche because it works. <laughs> I was um, saying you got the 1950s Americana, fuck yeah, yeah. dude. And I and like I like the contrast of it being a nice 1950s Americana thing when he's wearing it at first, and then how it just becomes you know what it stereotypically is, which is a wife beater at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I thought there was there was thought into it and like i and i don't really talk about our shorts on the podcast just because we feel it's like self-aggrandizing um mostly because we like the projects that we made uh we both (laughs) tried our best to work in projects that we enjoyed and that we believed in um and Mm -hmm. i'm not saying they were like revolutionary or anything but for me it's like you're making a movie why why overblow things and why make that process excruciating when it can be just a lot of fun also i want to say so this is just for actors in general if any actors are here listening anybody wants to be an actor when you show up to set know your shit yeah know exactly what you want to do know exactly how you're going to do it uh chances of rehearsal very fucking slim yeah so if you're going to react off somebody else you might change it in the moment but as long as you make that shit authentic, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you have your heart set on one way and it doesn't go that way, so you stick with it, all of a sudden you're fucking with somebody's project. And not only is it their project, your name is on this damn thing. And there's friction. There's so unnecessary do, friction that builds yeah. up. Do your best work. Help out whoever the hell you can on set to make sure that everything is good. Because it's somebody's vision, somebody's words. You got to put those out there, make them happy, keep getting work that way. And then at the end of the day, your name is on this. Mm -hmm. Do the best you can do. Other people are going to do the best they can do so that they can show this thing. Nobody wants to spend hours and hours and hours on something just to be let down with the final project. Like, well, that's the best we had to work with. No, fuck that. If you're going to be that kind of person, don't even do it. Put in all your fucking effort. Especially at first, man. You wouldn't do this. If you're not enjoying the process at the beginning, I don't think you're ever going to enjoy it. Um, you know, some that was also, the, yeah, that no. was the most serious I've ever been on here. And so I'm <laughs> sorry to totally change the tone, but that I just acting means a lot to me. Sorry. Continue uh, saying what you were For me, say. it's like, it's what you just said, right? Like we, we managed to find a group of people that were as passionate about filmmaking as we were. Um, mm-hmm. And we wanted that. Me and Aga really wanted to work with filmmakers. We never called our crew the set dresser or the gaffer or whatever. We were all filmmakers. We were all artists out there trying to figure out how to complement each other's work, right? Because filmmaking is so collaborative, so collaborative. It's insane. 
Um, and it's such an intimate process. Uh, so whenever our teachers would tell us like, oh, you know, you got to learn how to work with everyone and you got to learn that you might not always like who you work with. I agree. I agree. And mm-hmm. when they told us like, oh, don't work with your friends because, you know, your friend might not be the best qualified person to do that job. That's where I started to disagree. <laughs> I'm not going to work with an asshole just you, because he's certified to be the best in his field. Yeah. I was going to say, you, you, you had friends that were qualified, though. Yeah. I, you, you got lucky in that. There wasn't just like somebody you stuck around with. You were like, man, I just really like their personality. You stuck with people that you did like their personality and could do what anything they fucking wanted to do. And they were good well, at it. For me, it was mostly because that I went to film school knowing that I was going to. I was going to college for something that I didn't need to go to college for. Right. Like I. I could have stayed here and worked my way up from the system. In mm-hmm. different ways, but I wanted to go to college because I wanted to find these like-minded people that I got lucky and found. But my idea for college was find people who love film, who love working in it, and who you like in that order. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, it, like, it does sound a little bit cold and calculated, but for me, it was true. Like, that's what I wanted out of the experience, and I got very lucky because everyone that we worked on with these thesis films and with later shorts, like the ones that we were talking about, Domus, it was that, right? It was all of us trying to figure out a better way to do our best work, not spend all our life savings and then use it towards a portfolio, you know? And like Nicole, who was the set design, um, and let's actually let's just give a little shout out to her. She's now yeah. working on that Clarice show. Yeah. So let's say if anybody's watching that on CBS, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, good to her, man. That's good, awesome. Good for her. And honestly, like she worked on my thesis film and I loved her and I loved her work and I knew she was going to be able to make it. Right. Because you need a certain thing to make it on professional sets. It's not. Mm hmm. It's not a walk in the park. It can be really fun. It can be really fun. It can be really rewarding. But it's it's hard work. And I think some people overlook that because we're artists and because we're alternative or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, but you're an actor. Like, you know, where's the... And it's like, no, bitch. Like, you put yourself in front of a camera and, like, Dude, really, truly be vulnerable for other people's enjoyment. Like, the... <laughs> I, I I move I move back to my hometown tomorrow. There's no acting. There's nothing like that. Not a lot of people know anything. Not know anything about the arts. Not a lot of people get into the arts and shit. Uh, maybe they just don't know how. Because I didn't know how for the longest time. But I know that the second when I have to move back tomorrow and I got to start talking to people and say, "What do you do?" and then I say, "I'm an actor," the second they haven't seen me in something big, they're gonna be mm-hmm. like, "Oh, so." You're not really an actor. Exactly. Exactly. Um, like um, we live in a society where acting has to be fame for you to be yeah. a good actor. And it's like, dude, the people that are on Broadway that only very niche geek theater people know, those are just as much as an actor as Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever. You know, it's it's not fame hopefully that a lot of people are looking for uh it's 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 about it's legit just it's about working yeah doing what you love because like i don't know how to do anything else i don't have a fucking skill to my name other than yeah i can 
reach my emotions. I know what I'm feeling and how to hopefully project it mm-hmm. there and give somebody what they need. Uh, man, yeah, yeah. No, acting means the fucking world to me, and I'm not looking forward to going back to Blenheim, Ontario, because I know it's basically I'm just going to be shunned out of rooms if I say I'm an actor. <laughs> I, think, I think you'll make it back. I think you'll make it back. I have a feeling I hope you, so. bro. Uh, I, I hope that uh, I get the call from you. Like, yo, Larry, I'm going to work on this thing. I want you to be. I'll be for you, man, I'll play a fucking tree. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Larry, tell us, what have you been watching this week? Is there anything that you would like to recommend to the audience? Honestly, what I'm going to recommend is a film from 2005. It's a rom-com. Starring the man with three faces, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I say that because the man has three acting styles, and I can only think of two right now, but I'm trying to be kind with three. Uh, this one, at this point, is like 2005, and I had already known what Ryan Reynolds was going to give us. Uh, but this one, I enjoyed it. I thought it worked well, and it's just friends. I don't okay. know if you've seen that one or not. I've heard of it. Yeah. I don't think so I've that seen one, it, though. Oh, well. I recommend it. <laughs> so, um, he, he, he grew up in this small town and he was this fat, chubby dude. And he really had a crush on Amy Smart. He was basically in love with her, like as a high school love, even though she was always with the jocks and the people that treated her wrongly. And so he professed his love and they kind of made fun of him for it, the town, because it was at this big party. Mm. And so he like leaves the town. He says, I'm going to be somebody. And then he is, he's a big, uh, I believe it's a music producer. Mm. And he ends up having like relationships with all these famous people. And something happens. He has to go back to town and he has to bring his, uh, now girlfriend, uh, which is played by Anna Faris. Mm. And she's this, uh, big, like pop star. Who's fucking eccentric as hell, crazy, and I just, I dig it. I think it all works. And then he ends up meeting up with Amy Smart's character, and he still has all those feelings. And now he's Ryan Reynolds. So, you yeah. know, he gets him wet. So things are kind of happening, and just check it out. It's a nice rom-com where Ryan Reynolds' acting actually fits in. Okay. <laughs> um, what I'm saying is, like, you know what, you, you know what I mean. Go, continue. <laughs> what, what 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 recommendations do you have now? <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna recommend something different to what I told you I was gonna recommend. Um, oh no, shit! Okay, yeah, I'm switching it up. Basically, I rewatched. Uh, like I have have very little time right now, and when I have very little time in my life, I tend to rewatch movies that I really enjoyed instead of trying to venture out yeah. and find something that I like. Uh, it's kind of like mm-hmm. a comfort thing. So I've been rewatching a bunch of movies that I like. Uh, if you go to my letterbox right now, it's like four stars, five stars, four stars, five stars, just because I really like these movies. Um, <laughs> and one that I saw yesterday is uh, Almost Famous. It's a 2000 uh. movie directed by Cameron Crowe. And honestly, I fucking love that movie. Uh, I don't know what it is. I think it's a really good coming of age uh, film. And it's about this 15-year-old who lies his way into becoming a reporter for a very big rock magazine. And he ends up following uh, one of the biggest bands of the moment, 
within the film. And he just follows them as a tour uh, because he's writing an article on them. And it's a lot of fun. It's very, very nostalgic, even though it's from a time that I would have never lived because I was not born <laughs> uh, and I was not born in the United States. Um, but there's just something about it. There's something about a movie that kind of oozes love for music. And I don't know. Uh, it's also kind of weirdly depressing at at points. <laughs> as life is <laughs> yeah um but i enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot and i think more people should watch it uh because i think it's just really good um if you're interested in the cast i'm gonna add Billy on a Cudrup. little oh yeah oh, I was gonna, i'm gonna add on a little little something there because that was written and directed by cameron crow mm. and he was getting to the cast jason lee's in there i'm a, I'm a fan of jason lee mm. cameron crow did another movie with jason lee uh, called Vanilla Sky. Yeah. I recommend that. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just go. Watch it. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. Uh, Billy Kudrup is in it. He's basically the frontman of the band. Uh, Kate Hudson is like their main groupie. And then Patrick Fugit is our main character, a uh, 15-year-old journalist. And uh, it's really, I think, I think you should watch it. It's fun. It's a fun, comforting watch for me. So. Yeah, that's my. You can even watch it twice. There's a theatrical and a director's cut. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but going from heartwarming and rom-coms, uh, let's jump into this week's movie with uh, yeah. David Cronenberg's Crash. Crash was directed by David Cronenberg. Uh, it's an adaptation of a novel with the same name, uh, written by James Ballard, uh, which is also the main character's name, but you know, I'm not judging. And um, it's it was released in 1996. Uh, it won the, basically like the audience kind of, like it won an award in Cannes. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola was kind of like, the president judge of Cannes that year and he was like if we're gonna give this fucking movie this award I want to distance myself from it because I fucking hated it um and you know it was it was very polarizing when it came out for obvious reasons uh just a quick synopsis for y'all it's about a commercial director played by James Spader and how after a car accident leads uh him and his wife down to this kind of weird underground kinky fetish group that sexualizes car crashes and i'm not gonna lie larry that 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 summary got me i was like i'm interested in this that sounds like cronenberg enough for, for it to get my attention um if we're getting to like a five minute spoilery free review <laughs> i i don't think i got the movie <laughs> Because here's the thing, I wish I didn't look at a synopsis because mm. I probably would have been more into it. Because okay. I feel like the synopsis and what I saw doesn't match. So here's the synopsis I saw. I agree. After getting agree, into agree, a serious car accident, a TV director discovers an underground subculture of scarred, omnisexual car crash victims who use car accidents as raw sexual energy they produce to try and rejuvenate his sex life with his wife. Mm-hmm. 
And that is not the movie I saw. It is not. It is not. And I, I here's the thing. I've after I watch a movie, I try and, and research about it and trying to bring something to the table with it for the podcast. Yeah. And most of what I found was people really liking it and really praising it and doing all this stuff. And I was like, I I don't think I can get on board with this because truly I did not get this movie. Uh, I thought it was boring half of the time and it was kind of like a soft core porno the other half. Um, yeah, but with well, it's got a porno rating, NC-17. No shit. Rated for porn. Even though here's the thing. <clears throat> it wasn't that much nudity. No, weirdly enough, it's, like you get, it's a you lot get of the a... sex scenes and everybody's obviously acting well. You get like one breast at a time, which is <laughs> literally every shot all the yeah. time that happens. I don't think... I'm like, that's that's weird. It, do women do that? <laughs> it's literally every scene, every woman, you get just one breast out. Uh, it's never, never two. Um, you get one scene where you see somebody's bush and then, you know, there's a hand there covering the actual vagina. But for NC-17, here's something that bothers me. Spoilers. I know we're not doing spoiler talk, but here's a spoiler. There's no penis. There is At no, no penis. point do you get to see a penis. I want it. If you're giving me an NC-17 unrated sex movie, give me some fucking cock somewhere. I thought, I thought they were at least going to show some ass. But no. Yeah. There's no ass. And I'm going to. Here's. Okay. I think I think our spoiler free thoughts are about about done. Uh we didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um here's here's the thing about the movie, right? Spoiler spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. <clears throat> if you want to go watch it, go watch it. I think jo- David Cronenberg is a really interesting director. Um uh, and I think most of his movies are trying to say something really interesting. I did not find it here. Um but maybe you can and you will join everyone else who fucking yeah. sucks this movie's dick. Um <laughs> My issue with the film is not even that there's a lot of sex. And I'm happy that Alga didn't see this movie because he would have fucking hated the amount of sex that there is. And it's also like drawn no. out sex. Uh, it, and it, really, I, I disagree with that. I thought the sex scenes were pretty short. I mean, there were there were. A, maybe it's just because a, we could not even say there was a lot. There's maybe 10 at the most, but they were short. The thing is, you have to look at it as like a, a one hour and 20 minute, one hour and a half movie. Um, yeah. Uh, 140 actually okay so at that point it's like i think maybe i felt that we're drawn out because they cut from one sex scene to another sex scene like but here's the thing there's no story there is no that's <laughs> so why that's what draw I, it out. I think that's why it's an nc-17 rating because it's like it's a porno uh like there's no story <laughs> these people are just fucking and like look man i'm not a prude People who've seen this podcast and people yeah. who know me in real life know I'm not a prude. But motherfucker, man, like if I wanted I that, jerked off this morning in preparation for this. <laughs> I could have I could have just, you know, sat down and watched some porn and I would have gotten the same kind of narrative satisfaction that I got out of this. Because um, there's so many things for Cronenberg to explore that he never does to my to my knowledge, right? Because I I was reading this thing that was talking about how this movie comes out and it's trying to uh, capture uh, how people felt at the turn of the millennium, uh, the late 90s, and how they really didn't think about the future because for a lot of people, like the change of the millennium was such a big thing back then that they thought there was really nothing to fantasize and futurize about because 
what what if there's no more future right what if the 2000s is such a such a change i don't know i was born in 98 i definitely have no idea what that feeling was like uh, but because I can't relate to that feeling, then maybe I'm missing a whole lot of subtext within the film because I truly cannot understand <laughs> what the point of it was. Um, I think the sex scenes are well acted. I think they're pretty racy. I can understand why people had issues with such a graphic representation at the time. I don't think it's something that you haven't seen in Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> if you've seen Game of Thrones, it's it's, it's a pretty... Um, similar in its raciness. Uh, I thought there was going to be more car crashes. I thought there was going to be yeah. more of like a visceral thing. Um, also, I don't understand his wife's character, James's wife's well, character. The thing is, I was going to say, my biggest problem with it is the characters. I think there's only one interesting character in this entire film. And honestly... If the synopsis didn't say it was his wife, I would have no idea it was his wife. Yeah. Honestly. Because um, like, there's... I don't... I just don't know half of the time what's up with her, right? She's... On the one hand, she's... They're all sex addicts, by the way. They're all fucking sex you addicts. Know, I was going to get to that. It <laughs> says in the synopsis, they'd use this like subculture to rejuvenate their sex life. I was like, their sex life never stopped. No. They're fucking sex addicts. Yeah. They're just, and they fuck other people, and openly they know about it. They're not necessarily cheating per mm -hmm. se, because like they know they do it, and then they discuss their sexual encounters with each other yeah. after the fact. But like, why do I give a fuck about any of these people? Yeah. Why? Why am I following them? Why, what am I supposed to give a shit about? His next nut? Because I don't. Mm -mm. I don't give a rat's ass. Um, like, here's the thing. I enjoy the actors in this film. Oh, yeah. Like, James Spader, he's fine. He, he doesn't do much for me, but, like, I don't hate him. I, I like uh, his I like... silky voice. He has a great voice. <laughs> right. Like, whenever he talks, I, there's, there's... which is not a lot, by the way. For him to be the main character, yeah. he has probably the least amount of lines out of everyone. Right, but when he talks, yeah, for sure. I can get I, I I get the appeal of James Spader when he talks. I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's nice. Uh, that soothes me. I I liked his film Dream Lover, mm. um, which I haven't seen in a long time. But like him and Michael Douglas did a bunch of like the sex thrillers. Yep. In the '90s, so I don't know. Check out Dream Lover if you want. It's it's pretty predictable, but uh, I think it's a little bit more enjoyable than this. You got Holly Hunter. Why is she here? You could have had anybody else. Not that I'm saying she's a bad... Holly Hunter's wonderful, but I think she's wasted. And she's, I think she's totally wasted. What'd she get? Like three scenes? And she's like the co-star. She's billed as a co-star. Every yeah, poster that I've seen... She's got second billing yeah. on what I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, every poster that we see of the movie has her name on it, and she's like in it three mm -hmm. times. And not even like in it, in it. She's just like... Yeah. Having sex... So let, let's get into the spoiler here. I know we're already into spoilers, but let me talk about this. The first scene yeah. where we meet Holly Hunter, she was doing some hanky-panky. I don't know why I called it that. <laughs> she was <laughs> Some sucky-fucky, whatever you want to call it. She was doing some sexual acts with her husband in this car. James Spader's looking at some, some papers, gets in a car accident, kills her husband. She's not very upset by this at 
all. And it is said to be her husband. It's mm-hmm. not just somebody she's fucking in a car. It is said to be her husband. Uh, so next thing, you know, she meets up with James Spader a few weeks later. He's all healed up after the accident. First thing they do, go out on the road. He's a little nervous because he just got in that accident. Makes sense. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get this. Next scene, she goes, oh, go to this parking lot at the airport. It shouldn't be busy this time of day. And then they just have sex. This guy just <laughs> killed your fucking husband in a car accident. And you're out driving and then fuck. <clears throat> I just, what? <laughs> Maybe there's like some things there where she's having trouble coping and that's how she wants to just let it go. Mm. Cool. I can get behind that. If we get into that, we don't. No. It's just, they just fuck and then you don't see her for a hot minute. And then he takes her out on a date, even though he's married. Um, and they go to meet this dude named Vaughn, played by Elias. I can't pronounce his last name oh, correctly, shit. but I think he is the only interesting character in this film, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, him, I do understand. Him, he fits into the synopsis. Yeah. This man needs these car accidents to get off. Yep. He needs this shit. Yep. He is all about fucking car accidents and what it what he perceives it as is i think there's a there was like a line of dialogue where it's not destruction it's like fertilizer or something mm-hmm. uh mal just watched it i watched it like two days ago so it's it's a little fuzzy the lines exactly but his character i totally get and he plays it off well mm-hmm. so he i don't remember what he does for his day job but his side job is he recreates these uh famous car crashes Mm -hmm. and when i say recreates i mean they will actually hit the cars they will cause the car accidents Mm -hmm. so they do the james dean one with uh damn what was the car something bastard little bastard little bastard they do that he's in the car while they do it he's got a microphone he's describing the whole thing well he's got blood leaving his head because you know he was just in a fucking car accident and then later on the other guy that was in the car accident, he tells about um, another actress that died. She had a, a dog in the back mm-hmm. seat. Later on, he's driving with James and uh, his wife, played by Deborah Kara Unger, who I don't mind her. Um, She's fine. She was in Payback, which is a Mel Gibson movie, so I'd recommend that. Check her out. She's also in Silent Hill, which, as far as I know, doesn't get a lot of love, but I don't mind the first Silent Hill movie. So okay. uh, there you go. Check Check those out, but he sees this car accident and he starts taking pictures. You think maybe he's going to, like, he works for the press or something. Nah, man, this dude's totally wanking. Mm-hmm. He's wanking to these oh, car yeah. accidents. No fucking problem. And he sees his friend in the car uh, dead. And he did the thing with the dog. So he, and he's wearing a dress. He's in drag. So he's trying to be this actress. And he's not sad that his friend's dead. He is upset that he couldn't wait for him to do it with him. Yep. And I'm like, I get that. I understand your character. You haven't shown me anything different. And, like, we literally get that characterization. Everybody else, though, is just, why are you doing what you're doing? I yeah. don't understand. None of them. Uh, None Rosanna of them. Arquette's in it for a, for a little bit. And I really like Rosanna and Patricia Arquette. I like them a lot. Mm. And I thought, with, with what little she was given, she did a hell of a job. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you can tell that that's a fucking uh, person. For me... It was a little bit too much like her character in uh, Pulp Fiction just because of how she's presented and just how she's introduced to us in the movie. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> to me, <laughs> the thing that makes 
because okay <laughs> i've read that david cronenberg approached this purposefully right he wanted it to be cold he wanted it to be detached he wanted it to be like a an observational thing that's why all these characters are the way that they are and i'm like okay if that's what you're looking for it worked in the sense of like it, it you made it possible did it land for me not even close honestly in between the sex scenes there was a point where i was like oh another sex scene like I was just like yeah. I was so completely uninterested about what was going on because there's here's the thing the synopsis says that it's so that him and his wife can rekindle their relationship right and that's a that's a that's an interesting concept right because there's a lot of people who are in marriages who say oh you know you just gotta spice it up a little bit you have to keep the the fire burning right and I think that them going down this rabbit hole of like car crash fetishists would have been a very compelling story to tell. But I don't mm-hmm. think that the novel or this one, this movie, were interested in that. It was more of like just the obsession that people have of, about sex, I guess. And it's, I again, yeah. it's an interesting concept, but then dig deep into it. Don't just show me sex to show me sex. Because a lot of people were talking about how the sex scenes are not gratuitous and I'm sorry to say, but they are. And they just don't make sense in my, in my head. And it's like, Oh, well maybe it's just because you don't have a, especially the last one. Yeah. Yeah. But that's because I don't understand her character. Right. Cause when she, when, no, yeah. When she has sex with, um, Vaughn, right. They're in the car wash. I'm like, is, is this rape? Is she enjoying it? I'm very confused. And then you have that post scene where it's like she's all and her, bruised her up husband's and in the car too, not stopping anything. Oh, he's yeah, just watching. Yeah, yeah. He's just there for the ride. And then, yeah. But then she, the next scene, she's lying down. She's all bruised up. She's crying. And then he's there. He's consoling her. So then I don't know. Like I don't understand where she starts to also be into the car crash enough so that they engage in this cat mouse thing at the end of the movie and then have sex after she's like crashed but she's not fucked up so she's like i'm maybe next time i will get fucked i don't get it i don't know how we got here yeah 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 i mean maybe if it was holly hunter's character maybe she misses her husband that's a little little jump we could have made um maybe if it's uh rosanna arquette's character maybe she doesn't want to live um, uh, like she is with her legs in the braces, you know. So she she drives, drives to cause an accident to die. I get that. Her character, however, I do not get either. I don't understand why she wants to do the car crash thing. She didn't seem to give a fuck about any of the stuff. She wasn't there for any of it. She just met Vaughn once, fucked him. All of a sudden, ooh, I'm gonna get in a car accident now. Yeah, why? Literally, this the tagline for this movie should have been why. Instead of the most controversial film you will ever see, which yeah. I argue fucking Gone Baby Gone is more controversial than this film. <laughs> oh, the Athletics. Anyways, I feel that there's not even plenty for us to talk about, right? I will talk about something in a second just because Here's I want to touch on it. Um, I messaged Mao right after I watched it and I said, 
you know you saying you wanted shorter episodes? I, I don't think we're going to have a problem with this one. Yeah. And then he said, why? And I said, you'll see. There's not yeah. fucking much to talk about. <laughs> There's not much to talk about, really. Like, they have sex. It's, I think it's very well crafted scenes, sex scenes. They, they're, for the most part, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there with them. I don't see the point behind them. I don't think the story does anything to push the story along. I don't think these characters are interesting, um, except for Vaughn, I guess. Uh, which leads me to my point, and I will I will give props to this movie for doing what it did, as follows. Right there, we we know that Vaughn is into the whole like car thing. Okay, that's what really gets him going to the point where he doesn't care if he's with a man or with a woman. Like at that point, it's just about the kink. Which, again, yeah. very interesting trait. Sad that it wasn't explored. And I I think this is why people in the BDSM culture and in all of these like sexual subcultures feel misrepresented because they're either fiends, sex fiends in movies, or, you know, they're kind of like dark and kinky and fucked up, right? There's nothing about their kinky sex explained and there's nothing to for us to gravitate towards because you might be like oh well you know it's such an out there kink but we all have our kinks right we can all relate to that we can all relate to having a thought a sexual thought that we're like oh i i probably shouldn't say that out loud because you know it's kind of fucked up but it's not explored it's just there and because it's just there there's nothing for us to really dissect or talk about because sorry it's just not explored however no it's not i will say this right for a movie made in the 90s late 90s um you know the after effects or the let's go yeah let's call the the secondary effects of the aids crisis was still a thing um and cronenberg decides to put a a man on a, a guy on guy scene right it's a pretty it's a Mm-hmm. Here's my interesting. Here's the interesting thing about this scene for me is how tender it is in contrast to all the heterosexual sex scenes. <laughs> like I don't know if you noticed. First of all, it's not explicit at all. It's not explicit at all. I think they get like a little bit of like leg, chest action, but it's like yeah, I'm gonna say if if there's any scene to put a dick in, it's this one. Yeah. Yeah, but there's no dick, there's no ass, there's barely any skin, right? But it's shot very closely, and like I said, it's edited very tenderly, and it even it ends with Vaughn turning around. You know, we assume it's for them to have anal sex, and he's like, his face is up against the wheel, and he like sighs and has a smile on his face, and he like it's a very tender moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what, Cronenberg, you might have fucked up with the rest of this film, but at least you gave a little bit of like, like what I was saying, right? Like they're not, they're having consensual sex and it's not rough and it's not like depravatory, like most homosexual scenes were, you know, pictured back then. So props to that. But other than that, man, I'm like, I'm honestly running out of things to talk about this film. Like I have nothing else to put Dude. there. <laughs> There's not much, dude. Like, I'm glad we had the beginning of this podcast because, like, once this movie came in, 
I mean, <laughs> the score fits. Howard Shore does. He makes good scores. He made one that fit the movie. <laughs> Howard Shore makes good scores. Howard Shore <laughs> makes good scores. <laughs> um, but even that is not really anything. It's just very similar to every other erotic thriller score that came out of that era. So that's. Sad. I tell you what, uh, um, I haven't done it sad. yet, uh, and I I told one of my friends that I'd give him a name drop. So I'm gonna do Mike because I know you've been watching every single episode because you're the man. Uh, don't watch this movie, <laughs> but watch this episode. Thanks for watching. Um, yeah, watching this movie didn't make me queasy or like uncomfortable. It honestly bored me to fucking death. So with dude, that, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I said I said to him, I had to watch this thing three times to see it once. First time I put it on, I fell asleep. Mm. Second time I watched it, I fell asleep. Third time I forced myself to stay awake. Yeah. Ratings. <laughs> so out of five on Letterboxd, I gave this a very kind two Deuce. out of five. Mm. 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 Yeah. I think, look, people who have listened for a while know that we don't like shitting on movies. We truly don't. No. Um. I think it very rarely happens. Yeah, it really rarely happens. Uh, and when it happens, we like to preface our rants with the idea that, you know, movies are subjective. And if you enjoyed this film, I have nothing against you. I really don't. It's not a bad yeah. film. Like, objectively speaking, no, you, it's well made. It's well acted. You like what you like and you like it for your reasons. Yeah. So, yeah. If you if you manage to find a connection with this movie or if you manage to find a point to this movie, I would love for you to share it with us because I couldn't. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm honestly open to having to having my mind changed about this film, but I am also very happy to probably never watching it again. Uh, I will also give it a two stars out of five. Um. Wow. Yeah. I want to say that it's probably going to be great when Algot gets back because we do not discuss this shit beforehand. We do not know what we're going to say, but I think for the most part, me and Mal agree on a lot of things. Yeah. So I don't know if there's really a dynamic like there is with you and Algot because you and Algot definitely see things differently. Oh, we well, yeah. And it, it works. We do. But yeah, I feel like I got nothing out of this movie. Sorry. Uh, I think Holly Hunter was grossly misused i agree with you uh james spader has a nice voice um <laughs> but that's pretty much it uh there's nothing like some people even called this like a body horror movie and i'm like but i mean i guess there's some scarring like for me body yeah. horror is like oh you know saw or like final destination or like the human or centipede. even another David Cronenberg, The Fly. Yeah, got oh, some body yeah. horror oh, for shit. sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that film. Um, yeah, there's just nothing that people say about this film positively resonates with how I felt about it. Um, so yeah, I don't think I'll give this a rewatch anytime soon. Uh, no, I really don't see any scenario where I'm like, oh man, yeah, let's watch Crash. Um, you know what weirdest thing if I rewatch it like I know I made the joke about being super depressed and whatever and I I maybe mean that if I ever get super depressed I will rewatch it but if I'm going to rewatch it and not be super depressed I'll actually probably watch this with my mother. Mm. Interesting. Interesting in because interesting. Yeah. She really liked the American Pie series and so like the sexual things and stuff don't 
bother us. Like I can watch it with my my parents. Or I guess my mom and I mean I'm fucking like thirty. Yeah. Like who gives a shit right? at this point? I'm a fucking adult. Yeah. So I just I would watch it just to see her opinion, see if she turns it off or falls asleep or what. Because she will turn off movies. I don't. I fall asleep and then I have to catch back up. I honestly, <laughs> for me, falling asleep while watching a movie is like a death sentence. There's movies that I have fallen asleep watching that I know I would have liked if I hadn't, right? Because sometimes I fall asleep just because I'm tired. Um, yeah. So that's why I don't put movies in if I'm tired anymore because I know it'll fuck up its chances. Um, I tell you what, what, what's, uh, what are, um, name at least two movies that you've fallen asleep to and maybe when you stayed awake, uh, your opinion changed or not. Just I think... Because I definitely have two in my mind. I think if I, if I would have not been tired and just like fucking exhausted when i watched Eraserhead. i would have probably enjoyed that a lot more uh, i think there's a lot of david lynch in that movie that i enjoy that i would have liked it more had i not fallen asleep to it multiple times and the other one there was another one that comes to mind that i just watched like three times just because i kept falling asleep to it because i kept watching it late at night <laughs> Um, but you hit me with one and then I'll try and remember the, the other one. Okay. So we'll go back and forth. Okay. So the first one that I remember, uh, Ridley Scott's gladiator, good, the theatrical good cut, yeah, good choice, puts me to sleep without fucking fail mm. without fail. I swear to God, I watched it eight times, fell asleep every fucking time, but get this shit. I gave the extended director's cut a chance. Mm. Stayed awake for the whole fucking thing. Explain that to me. Yeah. More longer movie. It had my attention the entire time. What? Oh, actually, this is this is a funny moment. <laughs> There's a okay. movie by David Cronenberg's son. It's called Possessor. Um, and mm. I, I mm. think if I had not seen that while fucking, you know, half asleep, I would have enjoyed it more. If I because I passed out the first time <laughs> and then the second, it's such a fucking like pay attention to movie that in my head, like yeah. when I try to catch up, I was like, oh, now I have to like I might have to go back to the beginning just to understand what the fuck is going on. And I didn't. <laughs> and I think some things didn't land just because of the grogginess of the situation. Yeah. Um, but I I thought it had very nice visuals. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think that's why I don't watch movies at night anymore. Well, not at night at night um, to fall asleep to just because now they ruin the experience. So the other one that I remember falling asleep to and honestly, I'm not sure it ruined the experience. I think I got the same exact experience when I stayed awake for it. Um, It's my second least favorite movie of 2014. Uh, I know that it's widely not loved, so I'm not alone in this. It is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Fair. Um, so I saw it in theaters, like opening night, fell asleep, mm. realized I fell asleep, woke up, and at the end, I was like, didn't make a lot of sense to me. I must have fallen asleep during the scenes where it connects to things. That's just what I thought. Yeah. I was like, so I can't judge it solely on this. I went the very next day. Yeah. To rewatch, because I was like, that's on me, man. I watched the entire thing. Still didn't make sense to me. Yep. I didn't understand how things connected. That I legit told myself, did I fall asleep again? I must have fallen asleep again. <laughs> oh, my God. How did I do this? 
I went a third time. Not like the like I think it was the following week mm-hmm. weekend. I was like, I, I got to take some time off here. So I went a third time. I downed two energy drinks beforehand. My heart was just a pump, and I'm watching this thing. When I got done, I was like, oh, no, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Okay, cool. I'm actually cool. very sad about the direction that they took that Spider-Man in because I actually really enjoyed Garfield's take on Peter Parker. Right on, man. Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed the first one for sure. Yep. Um, and this one, I thought it had things going for yeah. it. It just... Like maybe what's up, what's up? What's up with the whole like Peter Parker's parents are spies thing? Like why? Why make a <laughs> subplot that is so fucking like? Not and even apparently they shot it where he comes back at the end, his dad or something. I think so. They took it out. I don't know. It's just sad. Uh, but sad. honestly, it's still even after that wasn't my least favorite movie of that year. So what good was for your, you, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Worst movie of the year. It was uh, the Gareth Edwards Godzilla. No shit. I absolutely loathed that fucking film. I I, I really enjoy Godzilla. Um so Yeah, we finally yeah, disagree. We finally on disagree. One. No, I do. I do. well we disagree on that and Tenet. I love Tenet. I've watched it like ten times yeah, now. I fucking fair, love that fair, movie. Fair. Um <laughs> uh, people on the podcast. I, I need know to re you know what, dude? We should do like a separate thing, literally where we just do commentaries for movies. Mm. I would love to hear your opinion on that while it's going on because I would love to shit on it while it's going on too. <laughs> I think just really quickly, the thing about Tenet for me is just that it's a movie theater experience. That's it. It's honestly everyone else is trying to look at it at a higher angle. It really isn't, guys. It is just <laughs> a movie to sit through and watch. The movie literally tells you don't try to make sense out of it. And that's that's honestly yeah, just how I wonderful. Take it. <laughs> I have fun. I think Robert Pattinson's fucking amazing. I love the score. I honestly think it's really well um, made in terms of like the the crafting of it. Maybe not the narrative. The narrative I will agree is kind of like all over the place. Um, but I enjoyed it. I I really do enjoy Tenet a lot. If you have stuck with us up until this point, thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, shorter episode on films on Fika. Well, it's not necessarily yeah. shorter. It's just shorter movie talk. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Cronenberg uh, didn't really give us much to work with. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, let us know. Uh, Algot, we miss you. We'll be seeing you soon. And um, yeah. Larry, thank you so much for being my co-host no. for your four-episode guest stint. Uh, I really enjoyed having you on, and I'm sure it's not the last time we'll have you on. And um, I hope not. Yeah. With that, I think if you want to take it away, Larry, you can do it. Right on. Okay, I will take it away. I don't know how to really take it away because he, he did a really good uh, exit, so... Just everybody out there in the world, stay happy, stay safe. Um, if you can't do that, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> namaste, namaste, namaste night. Uh, whenever you're watching this, uh, just take care. And uh, thanks for checking out my boy's podcast. Yeah, have a good one.